Well, welcome everybody back to the podcast. Today, I have one of my great friends on the show. He is a current uh, deacon at the church. He's been attending for a long time, and we're going to get into that, just the attendance, what year he started. Uh, but I'd like to welcome uh, my friend Ashton Jordan to the show. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Glad to be here. Absolutely, man. Thank you for taking time out of your day. When I when I think of you, mm. um, pause. Yeah, <laughs> let's pause it real quick. Yeah. No, when I, when I think of you, I um, you're a girl dad, very much a girl dad. You got four, hundred percent, four daughters. Uh, and then I was thinking, man, none of your pets are are males either. <laughs> three dogs, three female dogs. That's right. So you have four four humans. Yeah. A wife. That's right. And then... My fifth child. Yeah, fifth child. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But you got a lot going on, man. Most days, yeah. I have to tell people, I play by ear, week to week. It's lots of activities, lots of logistics, lots of moving parts, and it's a juggle while we're working the nine to five, you know, but each week, just, you know, you go to bed at night and say, okay, <laughs> prepare for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and you work from home, which is good. It has its perks. It also has its downsides. That is true. Respective boundaries, but you know, it's it's one of those things, man. It's it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. I think it does help with the chaos of the flexibility that it brings. Um, but also, too, you know, just being present with the kids, or you know, being there and not just shipping them off to like a daycare, or you know, we do homeschooling, so it's not like they're at school from like six to like three or four in the afternoon. Um, so a lot of flexibility with that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and plus appointments and things too. But it's it's good. It's been mm, almost like seven years working from home. Yeah, it's like I said, COVID wasn't a new thing. People are like, uh, you know, how long you working from home? I'm like, wait, pre COVID, <laughs> I've been yeah. at the house a long time. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, we'll get into the job stuff in <laughs> in a minute. Uh, but you you're married. Mm. You've been married for what what year did you get married? 2013. I think it's been 11 years now. Okay. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, man. And her name is? The lovely Jennifer Jordan. She, Jennifer Jordan. She's the one you really need to be talking to. She's, <laughs> she's the superstar, you know. She's on the worship team, and, you know, people normally stop me and say, oh, my God, we love your wife's voice. Or it's just so edifying or a blessing to them, that you know, to see her sing and how they, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, man, like reciprocation, you know. And you never know, and I get a, I get feelings, too, when she sings sometimes. And I don't, I don't it's not just because of my wife, man. I don't know. It's just, I guess, a testament of the sincerity and just the spirit really, you know, using her or the Lord using her for her gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, it's good, man. And even that was a long time in the making, even get on the platform. So, I mean, that was probably majority of our time at Richview trying yeah. to get her up there or even convince her that she was worthy to do that. But yeah. Do you get emotional because of all the, the training that you do at home with her, the one-on-one vocal cord training? <laughs> <laughs> Only if she would ever coach. listen. <laughs> You're the vocal coach, right? That's right. If she would only listen to me. But <laughs> that's for other people to please. So I think she's doing it right on her own. Yeah. <laughs> I do get to, to listen to her though, as she's singing, you know, randomly or just pulls out the phone and plays back the tracks and sings along in the car or in the bathroom or something like that. So it's always good. That's fun. <laughs> that's fun. Even natural talent, I guess who you say has to practice, but you know she's humble for sure. Definitely humble about it. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Love her heart. Yeah. Love y'all's family um, and y'all's willingness to serve. So um, you've been coming to Ridgeview for a long time, and I remember there was a story. Uh, I think Jen told me mm. that she was like, "Well, we were here before they put up the wood paneling, like the." <laughs> You know, the sanctuary? Yeah. yeah. So the wa- the walls were white. Everything yeah. was white. <laughs> so y'all are like, OG. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely originals. Uh, I, I tell people sometimes too. You know, it, it's funny. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm like, we're we've been there to the point where we actually served in you know children's ministry. So you know, they're always needing people. And I'm like, we've we've done that. You know, mm-hmm. to the point back when we did it. That's when I used to hand out the blue polos that had review like kids stitched on it and like the Nike sign on the sleeve. Mm. And I still have that shirt in my closet. So every time, you know, as I'm going through the closet sometimes, I'm just like, look at this shirt and it's like, <laughs> that's, that's a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> How far you've come. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they don't have those shirts anymore, but yeah, man, definitely. And uh, even finding that church was interesting. We 
Jin bought something on Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace. And the lady was like, yeah, let's meet in the parking lot of Ridgeview Church. And it was just like, we were in Levon at the time. I had no clue. And we were actually church hopping. Um, and we went there, you know, and picked up, I think she bought like some water and vase and some glasses or something. Um, and it was like, hey, let's check this church out, man. And we did. And it was just like an instant, like, this feels right. This feels good. Um, and then with that, the first, I think the first thing we did was a tour of the preschool. And that was, you know, uh, Michelle Walker was there, you know, uh, you know, recently passed, but mm. she gave a tour. Um, and she was like, I don't really know how to operate the lights around her. So like, we were walking through the preschool side, you know, it's kind of dark, only lights coming through the windows outside. Um, we we're like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, come here for church, but also hit, I think Leah was Leah and Olivia at the time, but I think it was Leah first to put her through uh, preschool. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, I always tell people seven plus years, it's at least seven. I know I'm good for seven, mm-hmm. um, but very long time. It doesn't feel that long, but it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Very long time. Yeah. The person that, you bought something from mm. that recommended Ridgeview. Did they go to Ridgeview or they just so. knew it? Just knew it as a location. It was like, hey, let's meet in this parking lot. Hmm. So it's like, it's like divine, right? It's like yeah. you're, you're church hopping and then somebody's like, hey, go meet in this parking lot. And it's like, hey, let's check out this church. Been there ever since. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of had a similar thing with Ridgeview. We knew, you know, we were attending another church mm. and I was heavily involved with the worship team over there. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't playing every week, but mm. I was plugged in. Yeah, people yeah. knew. People knew who I was. Yeah. But um, they didn't know my wife. Mm. They knew. They knew her as Jeff's wife. Yeah. Not as Misty, <laughs> which is a problem. Sure. That's 100%. a problem. Yeah. So we we visited one time. Mm. Some friends invited us from school. Yeah. And we we were like, we know. And then I well we well I'll back up like mm. we we attended we attended a couple times and then we started making friends yeah. and we made more friends at Ridgeview not even going there yeah faster than we made friends <laughs> at the church that we were at going to for seven years right you know right. yeah so I think there, there's just something about our church our people yeah. that I, I love man we're so welcoming everybody um, that's on the welcoming team is yeah. great and. You just make you feel, it's got to, it has to be the Holy Spirit. I agree, man. It's, it's definitely a feeling you get about the church and, you know, being a deacon, uh, benevolent stuff, right? I recently had a, reached out and did benevolence for somebody and everybody's like, you know, your church was so welcoming. Like even her daughter, she was like, she just keeps, she can't stop talking about Ridgeview. She like, you need, mm-hmm. we need to go back to Ridgeview. We need to go back to Ridgeview. Um, and she's like, yeah, you know, I want to, but she had, you know, she was out of work and she recently got a job. So it was like, if we can go, we can go. But if not, you know, if you have to work on Sunday, you have to work on Sundays. But she's like, we've been to a lot of different churches, and she's bilingual, so she speaks Spanish. She's like, even Spanish churches, she was like, we always felt like outsiders, like nobody, like we didn't belong. And she's like, we came to Ridgeview. Everybody was like so nice. Everybody was so welcoming. And, and then she was like, I think my daughter really loved the donuts. So I was like, if, not, if nothing else, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. else, like for sure. But to like just get that raw from somebody, it's like, yeah, I'm so welcoming. And they compare it to, Oh, the churches, you know, it's it's disheartening, man. When people say, oh, I went to these churches and just didn't feel like we fit in or we weren't welcome there and come to Ridgeview and it's like nine day difference. Oh, yeah. Just for the confirmation of, you know, what I believe about the Ridgeview church, you know, definitely Holy Spirit led, man. And just God is definitely there. Mm-hmm. God is there. No sure. question. Yeah. And the donuts are there. The donuts. The donuts, <laughs> the donuts help. There's a lot of staff meetings, man. I'll, I'll just let you, I'll let you in on some meetings here. We talk a lot about donuts. Really? Yeah. yeah. How many? How many dozen? Yeah. Is it working? How many do we have left? Yeah. Because we don't want to just spend like, you know, we'll buy fifty dozen donuts or yeah. something like that, yeah, yeah. and then waste twelve. <laughs> exactly. So we we talk about donuts yeah. quite a bit. Uh, it's a funny it's a funny bit, I guess you you could say in our staff meetings. I know we always get the meeting minutes, but Barbara has never put that in there on the emails. So I have to ask you about that. What's the donut calculation? <laughs> yeah, you're, for you're slack. <laughs> she's slacking in that. Put them in there. Tell them what Jeff thinks about donuts. Yeah. <laughs> I love the donuts, man. Yeah, Those are good. great. They're good. So being a deacon, yeah. you've been a deacon for how long now? I don't even know, man. I think it's fairly recent. I don't even, maybe. Well, recent compared. Yeah, like, man. Was it before COVID? Uh, that's a good question. I think it was after COVID, actually. Let's say at least a year. I don't know. I'm bad with dates. Maybe a year, maybe 
close to a year, a year, or definitely more than a year. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was random. <laughs> I had random. no idea about it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was random? It was, getting asked? It, well, yeah, it was random to me, and it, it was later revealed. Um, so me and David got pretty, you know, close, and he's like, let's go have lunch. And, you know, no, no set agenda. Went to Olive Garden, had lunch, and he's asking me these questions, and we're talking about current events. And I, took, I thought nothing of it, you know. So then later, you know, they're like, hey, um, we want to consider you guys for candidates. And it's like, huh. I was like, you know, how'd you come to that decision? And Dave was like, it all started back when, way before the lunch, but the lunch was a vetting session to kind of mm-hmm. ask certain questions and see your response. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Someone was a little political. So like, is, it, is this guy radical? Like, is he, you know, centered or grounded? And, uh, so he's like, yeah, part of that was the final, I guess the final thing was him actually sitting down and having a conversation with me. Mm. So they kind of knew for a while. Um, and then, yeah, it was, you know, you fill out your your background checks, you know, your forms, and which also asks the more clarifying questions as far as your, your theology on certain things. And, you know, you know, and obviously the voter information in front of the body. But then you're like, oh, man, there's a two-week period. You're going to find that, which <laughs> we never find out what people say if anybody says anything. But you always wonder, like, is there somebody out there that has something against me that they never brought to me, but they're bringing it to the church for them mm-hmm. to consider? Um, and they don't ever tell you. So whether they work it out amongst themselves or they feel like it's something, you know, not as grief, you know, isn't bad enough, then, you know, it moved forward. But yeah, it happened, man. And it was, it was a surprise, you know, but I think again, it's, I even Pastor Matt was like, you know, I've seen you grow from when you first came to Ridgeview to like, to that point. And, and, you know, I don't want to misquote him in so many words. He's like, yeah, you were, you're a different guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I was. Uh, And he's like, but I've seen you grow. So, like, I think there's just, you never know who's watching you and for how long. Um, And then, again, you know, God just leads, man, and it it happened. So it was like, okay. Um, And and then I think about the fact that clearly God can use whoever, and it's always like he keeps the worst ones close. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So so I kind of felt that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's, it's good. It's, it's humbling. It's, it's been the feet and hands of the church and, you know, you really, you get to see the operational side of things and what it takes to really take care of body outside of just, you know, people coming on Sundays. There's a lot of I mean, moving parts and just lots of things that have to be taken care of that obviously, you know, Pastor Matt and Pastor Dave can't do themselves, not and, you know, preach and teach. So you actually, I mean, you need that. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. It's been good. It's been humbling. You know, it's been, I don't, I don't want to use the word fun, but an exercise in growing your faith and obviously holding yourself more accountable because you're doing God's work, I would say, um, directly with the body. And I mm-hmm. think you're, you're held to a higher standard when you're dealing with his people, yep. for sure. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, there's that list. and Yeah. First <laughs> Timothy, I think, is what they go off of. That, and, you know, even when they tell you, I, I think... Well, when they outline what is a deacon supposed to be, it mm-hmm. is Timothy, and then also Acts. And it's like, you know, these are the verses, go read them. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand them and, you know, how you should walk in this particular, you know, in this role in the church. And it's like, okay, okay, or this calling, you know. It's it's like it's not all just, you know, stacking chairs and tables. <laughs> it's right. The, you know, it's, it's not all. We need dedicated helpers, so we're going to make you a deacon. Like, there's definitely things, man, that, you know, that we do. Um, to contribute to the body and obviously try to make the church function and like I said, you know, benevolence, praying with people and you know, it's it's good, man. You get to see a lot mm-hmm. of um I don't want to say testimony, but there's a lot of I would say seeing the opposite side of faith. And when I say opposite side, meaning operating in faith and then knowing seeing God act in that because you're following through with what he's calling you to do. Um, so there's a lot of that, which is, you know, reassuring, clearly. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And that's obedience, too. You know, mm. there's probably yeah. a little bit of you that was like, wow, why, how are they thinking of me as, as a leader? And am I fit to do this? Um, there's a lot of that in me still today. Yeah. Like, am I, I'm like, I have to tell myself, like, God has still called me. Yeah. He is, he's still for me, yeah. always with me. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, when Matt sees you from mm-hmm. from growing, you Even. know, what yeah, what if what if they told you like, you know, what would you say to that person that said like, hey, in in about five or six years, yeah. you're gonna get promoted, mm. 
You're going to be in charge a little bit more here. Yeah. People are going to trust you spiritually. I I would have looked at him and laughed because I think the underlying part too is at that time I was agnostic in faith. Mm-hmm. So me and Jim were early married. I was agnostic. So, I mean, again, I was, I was meek, <laughs> you know, and I remember going through, re- we went to re-engage because um, again, early marriage, you know, I was an agnostic and I was doing things that weren't edifying to God or a married man shouldn't have done or do while you're married, you know, and I wasn't my wife first and I didn't even really, I didn't really consider the concept of what that meant or what was God's true um, intention for marriage and what a man should do and, you know, what a woman should do and creating that, um, that covenant between, you know, man and woman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if Matt would have said that then, it's like, no. Because one thing he said, too, in that same vein of, like, you've grown, he's like, you used to ask me questions that I didn't know the answer to. So I was good for sticking with hard questions of, you know, theology and thought. And he's just like, you know, I don't have an answer to that. Because I used to pray and ask God that he, he can either give him the answer to come back or, like, I would get some type of answer. But I was that guy, man. I was that guy. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when you look back over that, being in, you know, um, the kids' ministry, we did marriage ministry, we led a couple of groups to re-engage, and then becoming a deacon, and then serving with Brian and the youth as a youth leader, a small group leader. It's like, there's no way you could have told me that. Yeah. No way. No way. But it's helped me grow and want, want to grow more, mm-hmm. because it's like you say, you might, you never feel like you've landed, or you should never feel like you arrived. No. Definitely not, you know, not overly righteous, but it's a constant humbling of, okay, I have to keep doing this. I can never just arrive. Um, and, that, you know, that's, it's good. It's good, because, I mean, you, you learn more, you can share more, and I think to the point of obedience, it's like, well, if you know more, like I said, if you, what, if you know better, you do better. So as you dig into the word, constantly going over these things that you should do or trying to live out the best Christian life that you can, then I think that's where God is on the other side of that, like the obedience part. You have to step out on the faith for him to show you that he has you or he's, you know, supporting you. Right. But if you don't, you can't. So with a lot of the things that we did, trust me, it was, <laughs> are you sure you want me in teaching people, you know, couples yeah. married longer than I have, older yeah. than me, like, and, you know, following through a book curriculum, um, I, I, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm the guy for that or, you know, doing the, the kids ministry stuff, but you know, it, it takes a village, man. And kind of thinking about, uh, we were in James, I think James chapter four, it talks about, you know, you got people that plant the seed, water the seed and harvest it, you know? So it's not like you, you have to be perfect. Like, no, it, it takes a village to make this thing work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. In, di- in different capacities, I never thought I would have been qualified to do this. If you ask me today, I don't Yeah. <laughs> Probably still not qualified if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty of stories. They always, we always talk about Moses yeah. being a murderer, yeah. David being an adulterer. Yeah. And those are two pillars of the faith. We, we say, well, David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but and he also did these things. He did. And he used he used him for that. Yeah. So that's such a picture of God's grace to go listen. Mm. What you've done before. You know, it's it's salvation, right? Yeah. You let's wipe all that away. We're gonna start working on sanctification. Hundred percent. We're gonna we're gonna strengthen your faith. Yeah. And 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 he's with you through that. What's funny is there are a lot of times when I'm like, man, God on this side of mm. it, going, why am I doubting if God's going to take care of me now? Yeah. When he took care of me when I wasn't even following. 100%. When I was doing hood rat things. 100%. Doing things that you shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know? Agreed. And, I, and I think of that that saying, right? It's, I think it's God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that there in itself you're never going to necessarily be qualified, but God knows you are and you're called. And that's what you need to understand. If you're called, he'll qualify you through that. Yes. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's always that humbling antidote that you just kind of mentally <laughs> run back in your head. Like it's true. It is true. It's good. Yeah. He's not asking you to get, get well and then yeah. come see him. He's not saying go get certified and get a degree and come back and see me. Like, no, you, you are enough. And I'm going to, mold you in <laughs> kind of like a bonsai tree right and i'm yeah. gonna prune you yeah. to be where i want you to be to help you know 
wor- you know, worship or flourish or lead the flock, um, you know, in their own growth and faith and building Jesus Christ. And then again, I think it just repeats itself. But individually, you have to be <laughs> willing and obedient yes. to go into those things. I mean, being a deacon, you don't, nobody says you have to. It's like, let us know. Yeah. You know, do you accept or not accept? It's like, okay, talk to the wife pray about it like god is this really the door you're opening for me like not that you got it wrong but uh just not sure mm-hmm. um and it's like yeah you know it's that's what god does man it's who he is and i'm grateful for it mm-hmm. it's definitely brought me further than i ever thought i would be um and i think it's even propelling me further man you know for sure oh, yeah. i really want to defend the faith you know share the faith and help others to grow in their faith yeah it's good it's good I want to talk to you about being agnostic, which yeah. I'm glad you didn't say atheist because no. it's actually <laughs> harder. You can't. It's impossible. <laughs> to be you can't because they say there is none. They, this they, is they true. think it's proven. So yeah. I'm glad you you're 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 in that boat. So yeah. Tell me about were you were you coming to church mm. with your married wife mm. and she was she never really strayed from the faith. She always believed 100. percent And so. And she knew that probably going in yeah. to the marriage, and I'll yeah. I'll talk to her about all that sure. later. So, were y'all going? Were you going to church mm. with her, um, just kind of like appeasing her on a Sunday morning and all that stuff? It was more of emotions. Yeah, I mean, because being agnostic, I, I, it depends on I guess how serious you are your agnostic faith and what you what you believe and what you don't believe. But I believed enough to say, okay, we can go to church. And also, it could be a playing ground for me because I can listen to the message and try to find holes or find things that doesn't make sense and be like, you know, this is, you know, hogwash, you know, or um, again, to kind of appease her. But at the same time, I feel like it's cause like even in the beginning when we start dating, she's like, when I saw you the first night we met, she goes, I know I was going to marry you. Really? And then I'm like, okay, that's random. I don't know. And then it's like, I'm going to change you. Well, she didn't say that, but she's like telling herself, <laughs> I'm going to change this man. And it's like, where do you get that from? Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we met tonight and I'm going to give you a brand new car. Like, she's like, I'm going to change you. A new husband, Prairie. That's right. You get a new husband. You get a new husband. So I was like, you had all this foresight after the first time you met me. Mm. And I was still terrible, but she stuck the course. So... As I look back on it, I mean, I'm grateful for meeting my wife because if I didn't, only the world knows where I would be or what I would be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And only God knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even, I think we were probably three years married, maybe not quite, two, maybe two years married at that point when we started coming to Ridgeview. But I was in no frame of mind to receive anything that was going on in that church or if anything anybody was saying. Mm. But I think there comes something, there's something to be said about proximity. <laughs> If God is choosing you, he will make sure you arrive where you need to be regardless of how much you run. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we get free will, man. But my free will led me into marriage, first of all, you know. And then, like, okay, we go to church. You know, I was raised in church. um, But, like, we're raised Baptists. And I don't know. I don't know. You did that for a little bit, and then you joined the military and just go off, and you kind of see the world and like I was telling somebody the other day that whole th- when you go out on your own you get different viewpoints I would say pressure against your viewpoints of like you believe in that oh well I believe in this or I was raised that way or hey you don't know that Christianity or this was debunked or it's not real or it's nothing like that so without a being plugged in anywhere a church or have those people in your life that could kind of reel you in I was free to roam mm-hmm. and that I did and it became agnostic and ran into some people that were no good. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in God or anything. It's like, well, I don't want to go that far. Like, I believe in a heaven and hell. So I'll just stay in the middle. Agnostic. I won't commit to anything, which at that point, if you're not committing, then, you know, it's almost like you don't have any morals that you can cling to that are healthy. And uh, so that was Yeah, you I, become your own God. You become your own God. Yeah. But I, I think I had a little... A little bit of enough to say agnostic. I believe in a higher power, but I can't tie down to any um, denomination or non-denomination that, or even saying, yeah, 
the Bible is the truth because then the question becomes where the Bible comes from. It mm-hmm. was written by a man. Who put the Quran together? Um, how do we know what the Bible says today is from the past, you know, is what was the original. And now for the long, you know, like I say, really digging into apologetics is kind of where I'm at now. And I'm just like, it's such a weak argument. Mm-hmm. Such a weak argument. But I never could have got there if I never would have <laughs> come along the path that I'm in, you know, what God had for me, man. I'm grateful for it. Sure. Grateful for it. Well, so I wanted to talk to you about your upbringing a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. raised in church every Sunday, or was it you know, Christmas, Easter only? It was it was like a long time growing up, no church. Mm-hmm. And then, as I remember it, which my mom might dispute it, it was something that I think somebody said. Like, my mom and my dad was like, hey, let's go to church. I'm just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And we started going to church, and <laughs> Baptist, service starts at 10.30, you, you get out of there at 2.30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was long. So it was a lot of, you know, I'm just looking for the candy lady, right? The old folks with the candy in the sure. purse, you know, kind of deals. But How so, old were you? That's a good question, man. I don't even know. Mm. I, it's, it's, I don't even call it a blur, but it's just so long, I don't even know. Do you remember if it was your mom or dad's idea? Or were they both coming to you going, I would hey, almost say probably my mom's idea. Because even my dad, you know, he had his, uh, he owned a mechanic shop. And he was like, you know, every time we go to church, I put my tithes in the plate. And I get all this business to have to turn cars away. Mm. So to me, it sounds like that wasn't his idea. But once he started going, he's like, oh, this is good. For, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for one reason or another, yeah, it's good yeah. to go to church. But yeah. it might have been my mom's idea. And uh, so, yeah, we did that, man. And, you know, so I was like, okay. And, you, you know, being Baptist, I don't even know, man. It was fine. Um, and and this is all in St. Louis, right? All in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, yeah. yeah. So then I think at a point of just kind of growing a little bit, um, I think she started, she kept going. And I think as I got older, I was probably less prone to want to go to church. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, you have to go or you're going. It was just kind of like, ah, I don't want to go to church. Or I try to get out of it, but... I think she had a great influence of wanting to continue to push that. And I mean, she still goes to church now, you know, very heavily involved in the church. But I mean, you know, you raise a kid as they sh- on their way that they should go and hope that if they go away, they come back. And I think I'm definitely the example of that. <laughs> was raised in the church, you know, and it's like, okay, left it. And now I've come back even stronger in the faith. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. Are your mom and dad still together? No. As a matter of fact, my dad passed away when I was 17. Oh, which wow. Man. I don't remember the year. Sorry. Um, but the other thing too, you know, my, my mom and dad were together 20 years, mm-hmm. never married, never married, never married. Is there a common law in Missouri, <laughs> in Missouri? or is there, I know it's in, you know, it's, I think it's there, here. There is, it's like, I think seven years. Yeah. Seven years. But my understanding was he was married once, didn't work out. And I guess he vowed to never get married again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and he had. My dad wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and, and, you know, my mom, you know, she says it. You know, I don't think it's a secret. She's like, I allowed him to do the things he did for those 20 years because I loved him. I know he loved me, but didn't make it right. Mm-hmm. So that was the example that I had, which, like, oh, you know, he stepped out. He did his thing. Dad, You know, daddy was a rolling stone. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay. So I think that's where a lot of my... Once I got old enough of age, I was like, oh, okay. I had no concept of a marriage or, you know, what does a, a family unit really look like? Mm-hmm. Because my dad, you know, he did his own thing. Man. He lived outside the house a lot. And, you know, he'd come home every now and again. And, you know, they rekindle, I guess. And he, you know, buy some groceries or something, you know, take care of me a little bit. I used to hang out with him, too. So that was another thing. Like, I go to his shop, you know, summertime out of school. So I'm hanging out with dad. And mm-hmm. I'm around a bunch of old men at a shop. You know, drinking beer, talking, and doing their own things, which is probably no place for a young man to be. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of these bad influences, but um, yeah, they they never got married. Um, Twenty years, and once he he died of bone cancer, and mm. um, she told me, you know, hey, me and your dad, you know, used to talk at that time um, when he was in the hospital and stuff, and I guess they had amends. You know, they made amends with each other, and, and he passed away, man. But yeah, as far as marriage or family. I mean, other than, you know, my mom was always home. We had a home always. Um, Stability-wise, from that standpoint, yes. But from the concept of marriage or a proper relationship, like, nah. 
Well, I was in your house yeah. on Sunday night. Yeah. And on my way out, I saw the painting on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, who? I don't know. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. And, and it's not a real, it doesn't look like a real painting of a photo. Like it looks yeah. like two photos together yeah. or like, you know, a Photoshop job. So yeah. I asked you who it was and it was, <laughs> it's your dad. It's my dad, man. Yeah. And that was, a, like I said, I told you, that was a painting of a Polaroid. So yeah. Like, <laughs> so they I, made him look good. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> and it's like, because we, we never really had any photos of him, like, growing up. Like, I, I remember two Polaroids. Mm-hmm. And I think when he passed, like, we got his belongings. And one of the pictures I lost, I don't even know what happened to it, man. But actually, the photo that they took the painting of was, uh, I think, yeah, my mom gave it to me. So she had it. And she was like, hey, you can have this. Um, but yeah, he, back then, I mean, Polaroid cameras were the thing, but no real pictures of that. Maybe two, and I only have one today. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. What a different world. Oh, <laughs> you know, we've got our phones just oh, with a camera snap, built like, in. Bam, bam. Yeah, like I said back in the day, you, you take the Polaroid, snap it, and then you're like, you know, wave it in the air, trying to make it develop faster. Which I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. But yep. We should do it. You just wave it. Um, yeah. My parents, man, they have this basket mm-hmm. at their, well, not at their new house, but their old house. They yeah. just a wicker, big old basket, um, a couple of them with yeah. just printed photos over mm-hmm. the years. So, you know, you drop them off. Did y'all have Eckerd's up there in Missouri? That sounds familiar. Eckerd's Pharmacy? No. Okay. No, I'm thinking of a uh, fruit farmer. Fruit farm. Fruit says, farm. Yeah, it was like peaches or apples or something like a farm. Oh. Pick apples. <laughs> I think it's like Eckerd's Farm is what it was called. <laughs> oh. Well, this is like the old guy CVS. Yeah. Like it was Eckerd's. Yeah. And you get your, your film. There's also um, a, a shop in Garland where they used to go. But, mm. you know, she would take me over there yeah. and we get the, the film developed and all this <laughs> stuff. And um, now it's just like you can just pick at it it's just like a bunch of photos yeah. in there like yeah. thousands from yeah. our childhood like you'd be like you get taken back to when you were like four days old yeah all the way to like you know maybe two or three years ago yeah it's really cool to see those those memories not in digital form sure you know it's like, like you can hold it <laughs> you know you can always print out digital photos but yeah. Not, yeah oh yeah <laughs> <Be a> nostalgia <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah they don't make them like they, they used to they man oh man definitely not the world of instant gratification, man. <laughs> so you're 17. Yeah. And he passes. He passed away. And were you out of high school already, or did you have one more year left? Oh, man. I think I had one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what did I do? I stayed local. I went to college. But yeah, I had one more year left. And, um, yeah, it was tough, man. It was... It was odd because you know you always saw him. I always saw him as like this strong person, right? So I'm like, cancer. I'm like, oh man, he's gonna be out of the hospital in no time, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my mom's like, you need to call your dad. You need to call your dad. Which I mean, I didn't call him, nor did he call me. Mm. Uh, which I'm not saying that he. Could. I don't know if he could, because you know, but she said they talked a lot, you know, during that time frame. And then finally one day, they're like, you need to come see your dad. He's not doing well. So you kind of think like, okay, but like no, when you get to the hospital. He's like incapacitated. They're giving him morphine for pain from the bone cancer and basically not coherent. Like, couldn't talk, couldn't, had no clue probably who was there. So it was just like, you can speak and hope that he hears you. Mm. And it was just like, oh, he's not coming out of this. He, your dad's not going home. Mm. And it was just like, ton of bricks in his chest. Like, whoa, I had all this time where he was coherent and talking to my mom, but I never took the, time to call him because I thought oh you know he's just gonna get through this man and never happened man and it's just like so then you're just like okay (laughs) talking to him and kind of saying your goodbyes and I think the day I saw him they told me not to go home that night because he probably wouldn't make it to the night so he died that next morning at like 7 13 a.m so it was like the nick of time for any like any last thing you might think you can say to hope he hears to have any comfort or closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. That's tough, man. I'm it sorry. Is. It, it's, it's, it's hard when you think back on it. Like even just think about it now, it's like, yeah, that was rough. That was rough. And then, but then, you know, the comfort is my mom was always like, if your dad could see you now, which I'm sure he's looking at me and she's like, you'd probably be be more successful. You are more successful than he ever thought or would have ever imagined. Like, 
compared to my other brothers and stuff like that. Like, I'm like the poster child. Mm. Um, so I'm grateful for that, but I just wish I could have a conversation and say, hey, what do you think of me now? You know, yeah. he wanted me to do AC, AC heating and cooling. Mm. And I was like, at that time, I was still, I was already in my computers, man, trying to learn stuff. And mm. you know, back in the dial-up days, and I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing HVAC pops. Yeah. <laughs> not working Smarter, on cars. harder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not, not for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Worked out for him, but no, I was like, no, nah, I was already in computers at that point. So I, I chose a different path. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, uh, of, of physical labor, I, I'm on a text thread with you because we both serve in the middle school yeah. with, the, the, with the kids. And there was a thread that went out about needing help for um, making that fire pit mm, yeah, or whatever yeah. or something. And you were, you wrote, they were needing people to like move rocks. And you were like, well, listen. You know, I'd rather I'd rather contribute in a monetary way. Yeah, hey, you know, than get these computer hands. Hey, I listen, man, dirty. I, I got soft hands for sure. Yeah. I, I tell people I type for a living, so <laughs> I can either, I can Gotta manage somebody, clean, or I, I'll be willing to pay to help you get what you need to get done. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I gotta start watching what text messages are flying to that you're in because you're taking notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm listening. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I was going to say, I'm sure he'd be proud of you. Yeah. There's no question, man. I can, and I <laughs> I think there's something about that, like, you probably long for him to see that. 100%. Raise the grandkids. You 100%. Know, be a man. part of that. I'm yeah. sure that's got to be a whole. That's the thing, too. Like, I I had the outset of, I didn't want any kids. Zero kids. Mm. I was very honest with Jen in the beginning. Like, I'm, I'm just not, again... <laughs> Being who I was then, I was like, I'm, I I want to travel unattached, no dependencies whatsoever. Man, so God like, is laughing at you. Right yeah, now. I'm telling you, man. I'm <laughs> listen. <laughs> everything I said I was going to do did not happen. He, yeah, it has been a reverse. Uh, Gotta play that Uno reverse on you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to have no, to not want any kids. To have four. Mm-hmm. And the thing with that was Jenny had, you know, fertility issues. And she was always told she'd never be to get pregnant. So I was, like, banking on that. I was like, <laughs> you can't get pregnant? Perfect. Will you marry me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's let's do this. And then, you know, it, it, it changed. I think she, you know, got on some medicine to kind of help regulate her or something. And she's like, I don't think this is going to work. And sure enough, it mm. did. And not did it only work. It worked four times. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Yeah, so from zero to four kids, and initially her saying she could never, you know, she had fertility, she would never be able to get pregnant. Like, man, yeah, yeah, life turned around. Man, God loves you. <laughs> God I, loves you so much. Dude. Yeah, exactly. He he loves pruning me, and I'm I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So seventeen. Yeah. Father, father passed. You went to school. Yeah. Locally, what did you go in for? So what was I, your major? Yeah, so I did network management at a private college. Um, this is all in Missouri still? Oh, Missouri. So like before I even graduated, I was already registered for an associate's degree. It was like, all right, graduate, then you're going to start college. Um, funny. I think the school shut down now, but it, be, <laughs> it was called Hickey College. Okay. And it was... Uh, it was actually, it started out as a secretary school. So it was like a women's only. They taught like secretarial skills, like it's typing on typewriters and stuff. But um, so I forget how I even got contacted. But before I graduated, they had already reached out. I was like, hey, come do a campus tour. Hey, you want to do computers? We got a program. It's a private program. And it's like, okay. And I did that. And then before I even graduated from that, I was already thinking about the future. Mm. And at that point, my mom, I don't know if she, we, we had moved out of our original house that we, that we were raised in. She had a rent house. So she rented a house and that's where I was going to Hickey College from. And then she was like, I'm not going to renew the lease. I'm going to go, let's, we're going to move with your grandmother to save money to move somewhere else. And it seems like grandma's house is always a house that everybody kind of ends up back in, at least in my family. Every, I would say every aunt has lived at grandma's house at one point Mm -hmm. in their adult life. And so she's like, we're going to move back to grandma's house. So I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, you know, not really wanting to move in grandma. But here I am, get, trying to get my social degree. I'm like, okay, what's next? I can either stay here in St. Louis, Missouri, and kind of live this mediocre life or try to make it minimum wage because it was like the catch-22. 
got the degree, you have no experience, nobody wants to hire you. Mm. And it's just like, how do I get out of this trap? And I said at the time, you know, the commercial was be all that you can be, join the army. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, okay. And they're always talking about, you know, getting experience and, you know, traveling Uncle Sam's dime and, you know, he's going to take care of you. And it's just like, yeah, but Uncle Sam wants something out of you in return. Trust sure. me. Yeah. Uh, so did Hickey College. Joined the military before I finished my program, so I went to late entry. Um, did the Hickey College thing. Then I signed up to go to DeVry University. Um, I did once. So I was already delayed entry at that point. But I moved to Kansas City. I moved in with my cousin. I did a, a semester for a mm-hmm. bachelor's degree. And then I shipped um, at, I think, March of 20, 20. No, it wasn't even 20. It was like 2007. March of 2007. So I missed my associate degree graduation from Hickey College. I was in mm-hmm. major training. Um, so, yeah, I did that. And then, you know, <laughs> 11 years total in the Army, but six active, five reserve. And that brought me, I was in the reserves even when I came to Texas. So I went to Fort Hood. I think I got to Fort Hood in like 2011. And that's where I met Jen in Fort mm-hmm. Hood. So before I got out the military, I met her, which is another intersection of if I didn't meet Jen before I got in the military, I had a whole plan. Mm-hmm. I was like stacking money. I've been reading all the, what is it, like expat blogs or whatever. People are leaving America, going to live, you know, digital nomads Oh yeah, is what yeah. it was. I'm reading all the blogs yeah. like I'm headed to Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of yep. here. And before that even happened, <laughs> I met Jen yep. before I got out. So it's like God had another plan. And um, yeah, and then here we are, man. But yeah, that, that's kind of how it all happened in regards to, I would say, structuring my path. <laughs> network management, and then uh, I think I got telecommunications network manager from DeBry. So I did the bachelor's online program throughout my active duty time. And uh, yeah, and I got out in 20, 2013. Off so duty. You, you were able to do college while you were in the Army? Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, it's I, since I had a computer job in the Army, I was an information system specialist, so I was the communications guy. So I was always behind a computer or near one. Mm-hmm. So I had the luxury compared to other people who might, you know, have jobs out in the field, you know, artillery or infantry and doing stuff, you know. But, yeah, so I had the luxury to do class either at work or my, my after 5 o'clock, I was good. It wasn't like, hey, are we going to do some training exercise or are we going to go to the field for two weeks and, you know, train as we fight, like, I didn't have those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So 5 o'clock, go back to the barracks room, log in. You know, you're doing writing papers, started discussions and all that stuff, and that was good. Did you do any kind of shooting drills? Like, Oh, yeah, that was normal. Like, we had to qualify, I think, every every six months. Well, I know you got to qualify, but I yeah. mean, like, were you in, but, like, was it, like, a, how often were you shooting a some sort of weapon? Nothing outside of uh, the qualification part. So even when we did, like, training exercises, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in South Korea, they do exercises out of war gaming all the time. Not all the time, but often. Every year they're doing war games. So you'd have to walk around with, like, your full gear on as in, in as if you're in uh, wartime. Mm. And you had to carry your weapon. So, like, okay, but it's not loaded. So you, you carry your magazines. I think the magazines were even empty. They didn't give you ammunition. Mm. So it was just, like, mainly carrying it. But actual firing was all just... Um, for the training or the uh, certifications or qualifications, I mean. But in Afghanistan, again, you carried the weapon. You carried live ammo. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, I was never in a situation where I had to shoot anybody or shoot anything like that. But I, that, was, that was pretty much it, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Afghanistan was, eh. I think, the, I mean, some people always ask me, like, did you see combat? And it's like, I was in the combat zone. You know, I was yeah. in places that were getting blown up and, you arrive somewhere, they're like, man, last night was horrible. Like, they were shooting rockets over the wall all night long. And unfortunately, humans get complacent. Yeah. So people be like, yeah, I put this can on the shelf, and depending on if it hits the ground or not, based on the, the rattling of the boom, if the can doesn't hit the ground, then they're not waking up. They're just, like, staying asleep. Everybody's supposed to run to a bunker, regardless of, you know, how close something hits. Mm. So people get complacent, man, but... You know, so I, when I got to Afghanistan, I was transporting equipment around, communication stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, all right, we don't have any equipment to transport, but they, wherever the military generally goes in wartime or if they're setting up somewhere, they, they try to hire the locals to do stuff on base. So they're like, we need you to watch these uh, Afghanis construction workers. 
And it's like, if they do anything suspicious or they come at you, shoot. And I'm like, okay, Lord, please do not <laughs> fit me in a situation <laughs> to where I have to shoot anybody. Oh, my gosh. You know? It's real, brother. Man. It's real. So you got these guys, they're doing their work, and then they take lunch breaks. But you have to monitor them. And literally, like, they do anything sketch outside of or they try to come at you or anything like that. Like, defend yourself. Mm-hmm. It was that simple. But, yeah, that's cool. That's it. That's it. That was my time. Yeah. <laughs> you did You did two tours, right? One tour. One, One tour to Afghanistan. Okay. So I did uh, straight out of basic training, and my AIT training was my job training. So all that was in Georgia. And then, you know, everybody's like, man, where are we going to go once you leave here? Where, where are we going to get orders to? I got orders to South Korea. So straight from the States, South Korea. I did two years in South Korea. I went from South Korea to Kuwait. I stayed in Kuwait, I think, for 14 months. But during that time, we forward deployed to Afghanistan. So it's like Kuwait is considered a, not to say a combat zone, but you get hazard pay for being there. Mm. Um, And then they were like, all right, so now since Kuwait is so close to Afghanistan, it's like you can hop back and forth real easy. So it's like, all right, go to Afghanistan. I think I was in Afghanistan for like not a long time, like two two or three months. It was cold. It was terrible. Mm. But – just being there, I mean, again, you're in a war zone, plus you got locals coming in off the base, and there's, like, these checkpoints and, you know, these big barriers and things like that. And, again, hey, yeah, you're down here. Oh, yeah, this is, like, a temporary sleeping spot. But just last night, a bomb came over and blew up that hut, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe somebody was in there or not. And it's just like, mm. ah. So you're always on alert, man. It was I would say out of the movies, but it was real <laughs> to the yeah. point where, like, if you didn't believe in God, like, you'd be like, Lord, please just somebody protect me. Yeah. <laughs> protect me. Uh, and I did, man. I made it through, man. It was it was an experience. And I always tell people, you know, it was it was an experience going through, but now it's behind me. It's like, oh, yeah, it was great. It was it was good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I'm glad I had the experience, but it was some ups and downs going through it. But God had a plan, man. Yeah. God had a plan. Well, thank you for your service in that. Yeah. Something yeah. I don't think I could have ever... Mustered up in me. Well, you know, no lie, man. I mean, unless they came and they're like, "Hey, we're drafting again." <laughs> well, I had a plan, right? I was like, "Hey, I had twenty thousand from that private school from Hickey," and then they were like, "We'll pay your student loans off, and you know, you get experience, you get to travel the world, um, but you got to give us six years." And it was just like, because mm-hmm. I originally went to the station, I was like, "I want to do four. I can do that." You know, by the time I get through basic. And go to the training, that's like half a year gone already. Because mm-hmm. my training was like five months. So it was like basic training was nine weeks plus five months of training. So I'm like, you're kind of like barely up in the air cruising altitude before it's like you're about to get out. And they were like, no, we've been having retention issues with people with your skill set that come in and then get out. It's like we need a minimum of six. And I'm just like, thanks. But they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll pay our student loans and we'll pay for you to go to school while you're in here. You get your GI Bill, all this stuff. And I was like, all right. So great, man. Every, well, I didn't have any other options yeah, other than just yeah. staying local in St. Louis and just being, you know, the mediocre, man. So, yeah, it panned out. Look at you now. Look at me now. <laughs> Two careers, bro. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you get out of the military. You get yeah. you get orders to Fort Hood Yeah. in Texas. Right. And so, that's where you meet Jen. That's where I meet Jen. Okay. Yeah. And then she tells you that night. Yeah. Well, okay. she. I don't think she told me that night. Oh, she knew that night. She knew that night. Gotcha. Yeah. I, w- I was the aggressor. <laughs> <laughs> I told her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but she just told the story. Like, I, I basically, I, I was pouncing or prowling. And I, I saw her, and I was like, hey, we're going to spend the rest of the night together. And she's just like, okay. And, you know, I was aggressively drinking and stuff. But, yeah, I, so I told her. I was the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And little did I know, there was a, she was the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was the one. Now that's a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fast forward a, a lot of years. So yeah. you you go to Fort Hood and then you end up in. We went from Fort Hood to Levon. Was Levon first? No, Fort Hood. We went from Fort Hood to Copper's Cove, Texas. From Copper's Cove, we moved to Temple, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from Temple, Texas, I I was working for Cisco as a contractor. Um, and the funny thing about that is right before I got out, I had no job prospects. People were like, oh, you have a security clearance. Yeah, come on out to Virginia, you know, Maryland. And they're like, yeah, we'll pay you about 70K. 
people are like, if you think you can live in Virginia on seventy thousand a year, like you're gonna be looking for a roommate. Like the mm. cost of living is just so high. So I was like, man, you you put in all this time active duty. Everybody's like, dude, when you get out, you're gonna be so profitable. And I'm like, it's not adding up. But I, so I had no, you know, everybody's like, yeah, come interview. And then you don't hear anything back. Or are you willing to come to Virginia for seventy k? People tell me no, I shouldn't do it. Um, so one day somehow. This recruiting agency called me, and I was like, I was shunning them. I was like, nah, I'm good. And the guy's like, yeah, just come talk to me. I'm like, no, I, I don't want any contract work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, just just come. And I'm like, you might better set something up. So then this other contract job was about to happen on post. So they're like, yeah, we have a contract, but then another company's about to come in and take it over. So I'm like, what if you don't retain me? And then I'm back out of the job market, right? So I, I, the guy called me from the other company one last time. I was like, all right, dude, let's do it. He, but he was like, will you sit down with, like, my manager? So I'm like, okay, last stop. He went to go get the big guns. Can you entice this guy? So I go down to Austin, have a talk with him. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, it's a contract, but it renews every six months based on your performance. So it's not like it's only six months and then terminate. It's like if you do well, this can continue to renew. Um, and at that time, we were living in – we were still in Fort Hood, or Copper's Cove area. So I was like, all right. So we moved to Temple. I'm commuting to Austin, hour there, hour back every day, 12-hour shifts. And then I knew some people because I met a guy from Cisco in Kuwait. So I was like, hey, I kept his card. I'm in Cisco. He's like, oh, cool. Let's get you as a real permanent employee, not mm. a contractor. Because contracting is going to benefits. So this is no PTO, no overtime, just like flat pay and they cut ties whenever they cut ties. Mm-hmm. So he fit me like a veterans program. And he's like, oh, man, I missed the deadline. And I was like, oh, well, okay. So then he's like, there's a college program. And I was like, okay. And the, the requirements were you had to be within two years of graduating. And I'm like, I've already done all this experience in the Army overseas. I have all this stuff. And I just graduated my bachelor's in 2012. So I'm like, it's like a loophole. I graduate, I'm within two years of graduation, and I have all the experience behind it, not newly graduated, but no experience. Mm. So I submitted for that, did all these rounds of interviews, and I got it, man. And then that took us to North Carolina for, I think I was in North Carolina for three, about three, three and a half months of training. And then we came back, and that's where we landed in um, Levon. Mm-hmm. And then from Levon to Wood Creek. <laughs> <to McClendon Chisholm. laughs> Jen loves to move. <laughs> yeah, she loves it, man. She loves to move. Um, but yeah, but even that, and I said that leads to still being agnostic in faith, just following along, just going along with it, you know? Yeah. But God was in it, man. I mean, I couldn't imagine being where I am now, thinking back then, like, there's, there's no way I would have lined this up for myself. No way. No way. God has so much more planned for us that we could. Our plans are just so stupid. Of course. <laughs> Everything we've ever thought of, he's just like, man, your your stage is dumb. Yeah. Like, come and, come and play over here. 100%, man. 100%. And God, you know, a lot of people are like, well, God's just like this, he's rude, he's, he just doesn't let you do stuff, you yeah. know, all these rules, and don't do this, and don't do that, and marriage, especially now, you know, marriage is getting attacked if it's yeah. between man and a woman and you can step out and it's okay and yep. we're we're open relationship and man i mean the the studies show that uh sex is better within a marriage mm. um with one person yep. like yeah it's just it that's and that's a secular study that's not just like christians going out asking christians you know what i mean that's like it's funny you bring that up so i was sitting down with some uh oh <laughs> well, i was sitting down with somebody from church on was that sunday um, that's kind of that thing of like, I guess now it's like pan it forward, you know, having these sidebar conversations with people. Um, and I was like, you know, <laughs> it's, I was listening to a podcast, you know, like so I'm in apologetics. So they're like, yeah, you know, people do, like you said, people look at Christianity like this rule book, mm-hmm. there's this lifestyle. Like if you don't follow it, then you're going to hell. And I'm like, the guy was like, no, Christianity is like a moral code. Because we have, like, this inert ability in us to know right from wrong, but we still get to choose. So he's like, most people just see it as this rule book, so then they get turned off, and it's like, oh, I can't have sex, I can't do this, I can't do that. And, it's, and he used it as an example. He's like, listen, it's God is saying no sex before marriage, but if you do, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. But what he is saying is, if you follow his path and his rules, which you don't want to call it rules, but his code, or his what he's calling you to do, it's better in marriage. 
Mm. So I told the guy that I was talking to on Sunday, I was like, listen, when you're having sex in marriage, you know you have one person, you're not worried about disease, you're not, you're fine with if she gets pregnant or not. So there's not all these external variables of if you're going out there doing the things you're not supposed to do, what can happen? Mm-hmm. There is clarity or, you know, there is solace in the marriage. And then furthermore, if you believe in God, you're making God happy by doing it his way and not your way. And that's enough for me to enjoy it every time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, when you think of that, that's that's true. Yes. That's true. But, I, I mean, most people don't have that view to say, oh, well. And I was like, if most people didn't see Christianity as a rule book, they would reconsider it to come back to it. And to say, hey, I'm seeking happiness in all these secular ways. And it's like chasing the high that I'm never getting satisfied. But if you chase Jesus and go his way, you'll be happy. No question. Yeah. What did they say? Easier said than done, right? <laughs> yeah. Way easier said than done. Yeah. Daily struggle. Yeah, for sure. Daily, you know, daily dying to yourself and yeah. your will and what you want to do in your flesh. Yeah. But also, looking back at the things that he brought you out of, mm. when you build... Because I'm in my mind always looking at the altars that I built. Sure. When he got me out of things. Yeah. When I didn't think I would... Mm-hmm. get out of them. Yeah. So at the end of them, especially now, I've gotten really good at it now of yeah. going, okay, I prayed for this mm. and it came to pass. Yeah. Build an altar. 100%. Remember it. 100%. Remember this moment. Yeah. And there's sometimes when I'll, because um, I'm so forgetful, sure. I'll be like, oh gosh. <laughs> you know, even the next day, like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see somebody get healed or something mm. and then I'll tell somebody about it. Yeah. And then, they they'll be like oh that's cool like they don't have the same reaction as like I would and yeah. then I'll start doubting myself going did it wait did he really get healed yeah it's it's that crazy yeah. how fast you can go from up to down up yeah. to down so I I'm I've been good at building altars and just remembering his faithfulness and how good he is and I think that's really the part of making sure you don't plateau you got to continuously plug in you got to continue to walk in the obedience for him to continuously show you those ways. But, and as I was telling the person on Sunday, I was like, because the question was, does the struggle get easier as you get older? Mm. And then I'm like, as I was saying to you, I'm like, no, man, it's, you know, even with spiritual maturity, like age is not a thing in the regards of it gets easier as you age. No. But I was like, the spiritual maturity is what matters. And you can, no matter what age you are, you can either be spiritually mature or not mature or seeking to gain more spiritual maturity. And with that, it's not that the struggles get easier, not at all. If anything, the struggles should be different, but we still live in a secular world where you're going to have those outside pressures. They're going to cause you to question yourself. But I was like, but if you're doing what God's asking you to do, then it's almost like the renewing of your mind because you've seen him work. And then hopefully, but again, that that you don't see him work a couple of times and then like, okay, I'm good. Like, no, you're still going to need to do that because if not, you're going to get caught up in the world again and get discouraged and, now you're off the beaten path and the enemy wins. So it's it's not like, you know, he's like, I he might be 15, 20 years younger than me or something like that, right? So it's like, it's not 10 years from now, you're going to be like, whew, I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. it's, life is better. Like, no. Yeah. And I was telling him, I think Pastor Matt even said, like, God is the same on the, on the hills and the valleys. But furthermore, he's not going to take you out of that struggle. He's going to be with you through the struggle. Which that like, goes back to that pruning, right? Like you still need to go through this, yeah. But just know I'm with you, and I'm not gonna let anything necessarily forsake you or do anything bad to you. But you need this, mm-hmm. so it's like again, age is not gonna take you out of the valley, not at all. That's part of the process. Yep. And it, it's like, um, it's constantly. Oh well, I, I slipped my mind. But basically, knowing that oh, the trials and the tribulations to me, that is a confirmation that you're doing the right thing, the persecution. I'm like, if you're being persecuted for your faith and you're being outwardly, you know, the Bible thumper or you're living that life and people see it, you're going to be persecuted. And that should be, you should rejoice in that and be in it and say, okay, I, I love this and I hate this, but God, <laughs> I know I'm either aligned with you and you get me through it every time and you can look back on that. And that's a huge thing. And at least, again, that's one of the antidotes that I use. It's not, it's comforting to me, but not be comforting to the others who don't quite right. understand it. But I think that's the spiritual maturity to understand, hey. And, you, and again, I'm like, dude, you, if you know more now than, you know, as the saying goes, right? If I knew then what I knew now, if I'm giving this to you and you follow through with it, then you're better off at your current age 
And it's that much more time that you get to enjoy the fruits of the labor and, and enjoy God doing these things for you. So, yeah. Well, it's, the, it's that verse in James about considering it pure joy. 100%. When you go through trials and tribulations. Every time. There's a worship leader, a friend of mine, that he, he said something, and it's so simple. <laughs> he goes, I don't know how people make it without God. You can't. And I'm like, man, <laughs> isn't that so simple? But yeah. So broken down into like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I got you. And especially if you've tasted. Yeah. Why would you ever go back? 100%. 100%. I don't want to go back. No. It's, it's like Kevin Hart said, right? Which I think, you know, they were asking about his comedy. People are like, you ever do comedy again? He's like, do you ever go back to the same dog bowl that, you, that no longer has food in it? So like he's already gotten above the status of just like regular comedy shows. Like he's doing different things, you know, movies and stuff. So it's like, okay. But. If you know this bowl is good, God's bowl is good. Mm-hmm. It's good every time. Why would you not go back? Mm-hmm. Why would you go to anywhere else to try to find food? You should go back to the one that's consistent and it's good every time in a good way compared to what's you know out there for sure. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking a lot about spiritual growth. Yeah. You know you've you've expressed interest and you've mentioned it a couple of times here, but yeah. in in apologetics mm-hmm. and and just. Ways to, uh, I don't want to say combat, but uh, defend, <laughs> defend the faith yeah. um, against people that are are curious or yeah. maybe not understanding, you know, what what the Christian lifestyle, yeah, uh, really is. Because I I really do believe a lot of American churches mm. have gotten it wrong. Sure, uh, the Westernized culture of yeah. of what that you know Jesus doesn't have. Blonde hair yeah. and blue eyes, you know. And Watch it. Yeah, he doesn't, man. So I, you know, you yeah. can. It can get easily. It can get easily confused. Sure. In in what, in what Christian Christianity really is. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Especially with social media, you can post a video, of some crazy theology that has no biblical. Yeah. Biblical backing. Hundred um, percent. So. What are you doing now with apologetics yeah. and, and such like that? So for me, it's the, the podcast, reading articles from theologians, or and you know, and I, and I think now that I've arrived in apologetics, but when you get to the point where it's like, oh, okay, you got two theologians saying two different things that don't agree. Now you're getting into the, the basement of Christianity because it's like, okay, it's even the experts sometimes don't agree with each other on certain right. things. But you don't have to be that deep. To give a good defense. No. And, and kind of what I was telling the person on Sunday, he was like, man, so apologetics, tell me about it. But he saw it as you're out here debating people. You're like, you're beating them down with words. And I'm like, that's not really what apologetics is, you know. And I've come to understand from the reading of things is my goal at any given time is if I'm around somebody and they say something about God or religion or Jesus and it's not right, probe them. Ask the probing questions. And the goal is to make them leave with something to wrestle with on their own and think about that I that I have given them, right? So it's not that I'm out here trying to stand on the corner and say, you know, Jesus is great, and if you disagree, come fight me. No. I want to know your perspective so I can dive into your perspective or try to find the attack surface that can twist you to say, hey, oh, I didn't consider that. Or maybe I am wrong. Because you got to consider, like, you say, oh, like a buddy of mine's, and this, I think how my apologetics is showing up is I have friends who are not believers. I got mm-hmm. a Muslim brother. You know, I, I say brother because, again, I, we're all God's people, so I call him a brother. But he's a Muslim. And he said, I, I went to Islam because I found I poked holes in Christianity. Really? So now my question is, what holes did you poke or what did you think you found that was not right to where I can say, hey, have you considered this? Maybe you had the wrong interpretation or you had the wrong presentation from somebody that right. made you walk away from it. Um and that's kind of, that's really the whole thing for apologetics for me. But then again, coming from an agnostic faith, and I said earlier, you know, the whole weak argument of, like, the Bible's like a game of telephone. As it goes and goes and goes, it, it differs from the original message. But then when you get into apologetics and you understand kind of like, you know, Islam says a chain of evidence or chain of custody, which also in law, kind of the same thing. We, we have the manuscripts. We have this chain of evidence of how it was, you know, put together. And it's like, you find more manuscripts that, confirm or you know slightly deviate but not to the point that the gospel has changed mm-hmm. so then when you say well the bible of today is not the bible of the past well how do you know that you know anything about textual criticisms no well, let me tell you something go check it out 
And then that fills a gap. I was like, oh, so now you have to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and for me, it's, and just kind of wanting to always know definitively that I know that I know that I know. <laughs> Apologetics is definitely a field where I like, I just, I just love it so much, man. And the fact that it's, you know, a realm or topic of study, and it is about the defense of the faith. And sometimes it can be debates, you know, I've watched two and three hour debates on YouTube of, you know, people saying blacks are the original Jews and, or, you know, Christianity's arguing with Muslims or, you know, believers are arguing with creationists, you know, people who believe in the big bang and stuff. And it's like, okay. So again, there's still people out there that are running with these narratives that aren't right. And it's like, who am I not to intersect and just say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but have you considered this? This is a different view that mm-hmm. you haven't considered, or maybe you haven't considered like, Oh, you know, no, no, no. But to give you something to walk away and wrestle with to where you might come back and say, Hey, I thought about what you said, and um, let's talk further about that. Yeah, let me. T- and then at that point, it's kind of an opening of the gospel. But it goes back to again. I don't have the outset thing of I'm going to lead you to the gospel. No, I just need to give you something to think about, and whether I'm planting the seed, watering the seed, or bringing you to harvest, I'm fine either way. I was just about to bring that up. That yeah, your whatever part of the process, you might yeah. be meeting somebody on some odd journey. You don't yeah. know what they're on, man. Hundred percent. So you know, and. Most people, when you meet them, like in the street, yeah, they probably just need to hear the gospel. Yeah, you know, and and that's fair, but it's like it, it reduces the stress or the cognitive load of your like. If I don't get this person to accept Christ, I'm yeah. failing. Well, it's not on you. It's, it's not, not on, on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's not on you. But some people have that view of like I got to take them from beginning to end in, in a street yeah. encounter, and it's like you don't ha- you don't have that weight, and it's not you. You know, it's it's all up to Jesus to do that, but. You can play a part of that. And it could be as simple as engaging in a conversation, asking them, okay, well, why do you believe that? Or why don't you believe? And then if they want to talk, they'll talk. If not, then, yeah, you keep moving. But it's good. For sure. It's good. 100%. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for coming out here and chatting with me, man. It's been it's been good. enlightening and, <laughs> and rich. And we'll have you out again. Uh-oh. To get some more details on, be more prepared next time. On (laughs) (laughs) get some more details on apologetics and such. But uh, just praying for you, bro. Love you. Thanks for coming out. Absolutely, um, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. See ya. Anytime.